What do retired boomers say is the key to retirement happiness? Tune in for that more on today's show. Welcome back. Another edition of Retire Smarter. I'm Walter Strolls here with Kevin Krosky, President, Wealth Advisor at True Wealth Design, serving you in Northeast Ohio, Southwest Florida, and the greater Pittsburgh area. But no matter where you are, you can find us online at truewealthdesign.com. Kevin, great to be with you again this week. How are you, my friend? Walter, it's always my pleasure, buddy. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We uh, just took a little coffee break before we started recording and, uh, and saw the official announcement that Tom Brady is, in fact, retiring. Yes, he was, and then he wasn't, then he was seriously thinking about it, and now it's official, right? It's official. So um, I wonder if Tom will be reading the book, What Retirees Want, like we've been reviewing here. But uh, maybe we can even reach out and see if we can get him on the show now that we'll have some time influence. Let's do that. He's, he's done some media requests uh, for various things before, so you, you never know. We can always put the feelers out there. So Standing invitation to, uh, to Tom Brady. Come join <laughs> right. the show anytime if you want to talk about retirement. There you go. I love it. Uh, well, and that uh, leads us off perfectly into what we'll be doing today, continuing our series, talking about the what retirees want. Kevin, we've had a good couple of shows in a row, kind of breaking down this book that you've been reading through, getting your takeaways, things that you agree with, disagree with, and uh, seems to have kind of taken your brain in lots of different directions, and it's fun to hear where you take us. Uh, you want to give us a little recap of where we stand? Yeah, sure. So uh, the first episode, in, in effect, was really about the idea of uh, longevity and how retirement has changed. We did a brief recap on just what retirement was and how it changed really over the last, say, 100 or so years. And really in this new world of time affluence in retirement as people are living longer and they're wealthier and healthier and, and really how you're going to fill up that time. And then um, in the last episode, uh, and I'm going to do, I don't want to say a correction, but as I read further into the book, part of what I focused on last time, um, the authors actually did, I would say, I don't know if I want to say correct, but they, they did mention it more strongly. But um, it was the idea about work and retirement. And what I focused on was how a lot of people expect that they're going to continue to work uh, longer than they do, but they then they don't. Uh, and the book really talks about, uh, at least in certain parts, how boomers are going to kind of change the world and and you know pursue this new form of work and their encore career retirement. And as we'll talk about today, they they actually go on later and and though they didn't mention at the time, they do state uh, the same sort of stats that I quoted from the Employee Benefit Research Institute study about people not working as long as they think they are. So uh, so that did end up reconciling as I read deeper into the book. But, um, but that's where we've been. And then for today's episode, uh, we're really going to focus on some key themes around time, health, and relationships. So this is where we kind of really start getting away from where talking about retirement so often centers around the dollars and cents. Now we're really kind of focusing on, at least in some ways, the softer part of the retirement discussion uh, with the time, health, and relationships being those central themes, as you just mentioned. So looking forward to what you've got for us today. What was the first thing about this uh, section of the book that, that jumped out to you? Yeah, well, I, let me start it off with uh, just reading a paragraph from the book to hopefully set the tone. And I don't think I've read out loud like this since I don't know, Ooh, maybe yeah. high school. So this is <laughs> you don't. Well, you down. read to your kids, right? 
Oh, uh, you know, I, yeah, I take that back. But you know, Cat in the Hat's a little bit different from reading something like <laughs> okay, this. Okay, do, do the book in the style of Cat in the Hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that good. Well, I might need some additional training for me, buddy, to do all right, that. All but, right, maybe a future episode. <laughs> um, but it, just to set the stage, you know, retirement—it's it, a transition. You think about going from work to non-work. Again, I always say it's like the grass is greener, but um, but any sort of transition evokes stress. You know, there's good stress and then there's bad stress, and and I think this passage gets to that. And uh, to quote from the book, for the newly retired, organizing one's time can be a real challenge. Most retirees want to stay busy, but not too busy. They want a balance of structure to avoid boredom and non-structure enjoy the freedom and spontaneity that retirement makes possible. One retiree shared the feeling, and this is quoting the retiree, it is a little scary because you're so used to structure. For 35 years, I got up every day to go to work. And then suddenly you have to put your days together and figure out where you're going to go and what you're going to do. It's a little scary until you find your niche and you find things that you like doing. I think that part about it being a little scary, it's very real. I've had a lot of experience over the years where people um, have done that and you kind of go through a honeymoon phase and then uh, maybe even a little bit of boredom, maybe a little bit of isolation potentially even a little depression kind of sets in until you really find your groove on the other side. And, and I've shared some of those stories, you know, over time and through many episodes, I always like to joke that when teachers retire, uh, at least in the Northeast, uh, they don't realize that they're retired until they start seeing the leaves change color. They just think they're on extended summer break. If you have, you know, others, you know, work is a really big part of their life. I always pick on the men here. You know, maybe they also have less well-developed social circles and interests outside of work. You know, those transitions tend to be more difficult for them. You can think of many, many people that went through those transitions and just had a difficult time. None of them, you know, really that I can think of. I, well, I was gonna, I was gonna say none of them went back to work. A couple just came to mind that did unretire. <laughs> and uh, kind of uh, undid it and, and then maybe retired again later on down the road. But um, but the point being is everybody has a different path. I think, you know, it's normal to have stress as you go into uh, this big transition, any life transition for that matter. It's going to impact you as an individual. It's going to p- impact your relationship with your spouse, you know, potentially with your children and other people that you care about. Um, so all these things, I think it's you just have to have a certain awareness you know, going into it and being mindful of it. I think that's really interesting to think about the stress level of retirement because it seems like to me, Kevin, something that would uh, just sort of observing my parents over the last couple of years where it seemed like it was something that was unattainable for a while and that caused its own type of stress. Then it became something that all of a sudden was attainable, but now it's getting closer and that was a different type of stress, but sort of still stress nonetheless. And now it's, uh, oh, we're getting to be cat in the hat all of a sudden with some rhyming going on. And, <laughs> and then sort Sort of like third transition now has been like, okay, now it's even closer. There's this really cool level of excitement building in, but also even more stress with it getting closer, but saw some relief as they actually started to put a plan together and saw that things were possible. But now they're sort of changing their minds on things of can we accelerate the timeline? And so it's this real ebb and flow of stress, excitement, 
And uh, and now they're starting to explore these exact questions about, uh, like my dad was just telling me the other day, um, he's having trouble focusing at work. Hopefully none of his em- his employer doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> uh, it's okay. He's he's pretty much the boss, so he's uh, he's in control. Uh, but he is having just trouble. He's still doing his work, but he's having trouble like keeping his mind grounded because he's starting to dream about what he's going to be doing. What would what would my day be like today if it was two years from now and I was retired? What would I be doing? Um, and he, so he's starting to kind of explore mentally what those things will look like and how he'll stay busy and what he'll get excited about. And it's, it's neat to see that, but I can see how it causes all of these different emotions. For sure. Uh, <laughs> I think those daydreams um, are, are probably pretty important. I mean, you're, you're, I'm starting anecdotally starting to see um, more columns um, being written, more papers being written about um, sort of uh, a trial run for retirement, taking an extended time off if you can. You know, if you have, you know, maybe six or eight weeks, it seems like extended uh, paid time off and leave is is becoming more common in our post-COVID or um, hopefully I'll say post-COVID, whether it's post-COVID or not, you can <laughs> debate me. But <laughs> For purposes um, of this discussion. <laughs> right. Let's imagine and be positive, I suppose. But, you know, taking that time and really seeing what it's like and, and you know, not just having uh, a vacation um, and kind of staying busy in a different sense. The book, I think, does a good job of uh, framing this idea of leisure. And it talks about special occasion leisure, which is really what we would more commonly consider a vacation, you know, going, whether it's down to a beach or, you know, traveling somewhere far, whatever the case may be, but something, you know, you're, you're probably going to plan out, put some money behind and, uh, more of a destination, not a sort of a staycation sort of thing. Uh, and, you know, when you're working and you do that and then you come back and you just kind of <laughs> you hit the ground running again and probably have to dig out from at least a little bit of a hole that uh, that you find yourself in once you do return to work. Um, but the other type of leisure that uh, the book talks about is just more everyday leisure, which we don't have much of when we're working. In fact, it shows that people our age, while people that are in their mid 30s to mid 40s tend to have the less, the least amount of uh, kind of everyday leisure. Um, you know, and, and that really increases quite a bit, obviously, as, as you age and kids get out of the home, become self-sufficient, and certainly in retirement as well when work is no longer there. So if you're ever feeling stressed out on a day, just know that'll get better in 20 years. <laughs> but you know, when you think about the everyday leisure, uh, things like reading, exercising, socializing, hobbies, and Walt, you want to guess what number one everyday leisure is for the average American retiree? Uh, napping. Yeah, napping. That's, uh, let me think about that real quick. <laughs> I, I, well, I don't know if you want to distinguish napping from sleeping. I would definitely uh, bet, though I don't have the statistics to back it up at the moment, that sleeping is probably number one. But the waking leisure, if you will, uh, is the old watching TV. Oh, uh, come, okay. A real yeah, healthy yeah. thing, real healthy. Coming in at an average of about 50 hours per week. Wow, so that's a lot, it seems like. That is a lot. Um, candidly, it's even more hours than what people our age have in terms of total leisure time available. And wow. so 50 hours of TV. That's a lot. It's, um, you know, TV's, I think, has certainly gotten better with some of the, uh, all the Netflix and all these different sort of niche programs that are out there. Sure. Um, you know, I personally like a lot of the, the shows that are not just entertaining, but, you know, you really, you can learn from as well. A lot of the, uh, 
biographies and and um you know real life stories nonfiction type um content but there but uh, th- there might be some napping overlapping with that tv watching <laughs> stat i'm just going to throw that out there based on uh based on the many years i've spent hanging out with my grandparents um on extended trips <laughs> yeah well my wife always says if i ask to go to a movie she's like why you want to go take a nap <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so i can relate yeah, I, don't, I, I don't bother taking connie to the movies i don't think we've ever gone to a movie where she hasn't fallen asleep sleep in the theater <laughs> yeah but it seems like tv is definitely a crutch for i you know i it didn't break it down if that uh that tv watching pattern changes over time i wouldn't be surprised if it's um if it does kind of ebb and flow maybe as you get older and more sedentary it's more there maybe uh early on if you kind of find yourself in a rut working through that transition <laughs> i would i would imagine it's tv watching is probably an easy rut to fall into but um i wouldn't be surprised if that evolves over time but when you go ahead and dig a little deeper into the survey data for these retired boomers their number one priority far and above is staying healthy and or improving their health mm-hmm. um some other key ones you know family friendships having fun personal spiritual growth learning entertainment all those things are in there and and health is the one that certainly we have some control over uh certain aspects others you know maybe not so but you know that's kind of the wild card if you don't have it you know that's a very clear indication that retirement satisfaction or life satisfaction no matter what age is probably going to be majorly impacted so some certain things that i keep in mind again i think that two types of leisure are it's a good framing you know the special occasion stuff in retirement too we have several clients that you know will take these maybe like an annual trip or so or your more domestic travel and then they'll do the big trip you know maybe every few years and the big trip i mean is 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 a big trip both in terms of time and money oftentimes and a lot of planning goes into it you know learning about the location maybe even trying to learn some of the language for the region that they're going to just so they can really get a lot out of the experience and um it's it's almost even though it's you know maybe two or three years out it often that everyday leisure that planning and what have you kind of gets into it uh, or excuse me the uh the everyday planning or the planning for the big trip for the special travel um gets into more of the everyday leisure so we have some clients that um have really put some passion into that and sometimes you'll see it also coupled with genealogy genealogy tends to be a big interest for many people for many retirees it's one of the biggest um uh, special interests if you will and sometimes you'll see travel related to it as well but if we take a step back and just look at you know, what retired boomers say are the most important ingredients to a happy retirement in order um, so health financial security loving family and friends purpose and then trying new things and when you think about this to me it makes sense and then when i thought about it for another moment you know, we've talked a lot over, you know, the several episodes and I've talked a lot about over the years about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how, you know, you have those needs that um, are at the base of the pyramid, uh, like your physiological needs, safety, security. And then as you move up the pyramid, love and belongingness, esteem needs and self-actualization. And a lot of those needs are met through work in some way, shape or form. And even when work is out of the equation, those needs still persist. And then when I read this survey, I was like, oh my gosh, it maps pretty much perfectly to yeah, Maslow's like sp- hierarchy. Spot on. That's pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so, so Ma- Maslow was onto something. It sounds like Maslow was definitely onto <laughs> something many, many decades ago, and it's it's still there today. And I think the framework helps. 
you know, you know, we talked about all the stuff that your parents, how their minds are kind of going through and, um, you know, it's, it, that's all normal and great, but sometimes it's easy to feel overwhelmed. You know, it's like speaking from a financial standpoint for a moment, it's quite common that clients or prospective clients will come into our office or have a call over zoom and, you know, they have all this stuff and they've done pretty well, but you know, just the complexity of it and how it all needs to fit together and the pieces and parts into a strategic alignment can often be overwhelming. And I would say the same thing could go for the non-financial having a, a, you know, kind of a Maslow hierarchy framework, if you will, you know, could be a good tool to keep in mind. Um, as you go through and, and start having what I would call a non-financial plan for retirement, which which I think is is a good thing to have and, and you know, give a little prelude here, but kind of a takeaway or an action item from from the call today. So all these things are, are definitely important. You know, one other um, tidbit on health. Um, again, these are all kind of boomers views, survey data, but boomers views on how to maintain health. I mean, no surprise, diet and exercise, right? Very easily said, more difficult to actually do and stick to having interests to keep you active, having good social connections, family and friends, staying productive in some form, having a purpose said another way, and then having a great doctor. So all those things. When all else fails, you can fall back on that one at least, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and the book does get into more of like how um, healthcare is changing and, you know, and we're not going to go into it on the show, but um, but it is, it, it's pretty interesting, some of the programs that you're seeing out there, whether it's concierge medicine or different advances to help people age and things like that. Um, the, it's really- interesting to bring all that up, uh, Kevin. I, again, I just I lean on my parents just because they're going through this process right now, and it's neat to see this actually work out in their lives because if my dad had it his way, they'd go live in a very remote location or on an island up in Maine or way off the beaten path and, you know, in a very quiet area that's near nothing, got nothing around it. Like that would be his ideal location. But this sort of like Maslow's need or this ordering of priorities, health is obviously so high up on the list. He's kind of like, we already see doctors so frequently, and that's like not going to improve likely in the future. So one of their main things, we've got to live pretty close to the, he wants to live pretty close to like the main artery that can get them up and down to different doctors locations, you know, in the area of Maine where they want to retire. So automatically that's had a big influence on exactly where they would choose. He's like, I don't want to live 30 minutes off the main road because then every day we're, you know, to go see a doctor or do this or go grocery shopping or whatever, that's just going to be too much. And so you can kind of see these needs for, uh, for, for food, for health and those kinds of things already influencing that decision in, in retirement. So it's interesting to see how that all kind of shapes up for people. Oh, for sure. You know, you know we've, we've spoken about, um, oh, it may have been a year or two years ago at this point, we went through uh, a list of like top retirement destinations based on, you know, some, it, it was a magazine article, but there's actually some good f- metrics underpinning it. It wasn't just, you know, I think written for, I don't know, you know, I like data. So it had some good data kind of belying it, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that was certainly something that was, was there as well. Healthcare, you know, we're this time of year, we're down in Southwest Florida and, uh, my wife likes the site that she saw a news report, how this area has the highest longevity of anywhere in the country. And it's, it's obviously not just because, you know, you live here, but, um, one, uh, 
a lot of people that do come down here tend to have more resources and you know have access to better health care and, and put better foods in their bodies and all those things. And yeah, I mean, it. your parents are definitely thinking, uh, I think, intelligently about the decisions that are that are ahead of them. And candidly, that's what we're going to get into more in the next podcast episode, too, just talking about uh, home specifically, not necessarily in terms of geography, though that's part of it. Um, but we'll get, be getting into whether, you know, kind of you stay in age in place or go to a retirement community or, or some other things that are that are becoming more and more popular these days. But all of those options, um, I, you know, it's good to be intentional. It's good to go out there and get educated about these things. It's good to talk to people that have been down that path, you know, what worked for them and what didn't and why. And, you know, people that you respect and feel like you could learn from. Uh, hopefully we can bring some value to that conversation as well. But, you know, just I think in general, just being very intentional about this. And, and one other thing that I think is really important and I want to make sure that I don't forget is just mindset. For me personally, I believe this is something that's really important. But um, I did come across another passage in the book that spoke about it as well. And I'll, I'll read a brief passage here uh, related to it. And it says, uh, it turns out that health is a matter of personal attitude as well as individual responsibility. One of the keys to better health is a positive attitude toward oneself and the process of aging. As uh, Dr. I'm not going to butcher the name, um, <laughs> who was chief medical officer at AARP Services, Inc., told us, studies have shown that if you have a positive view of aging, you live seven and a half years longer and you're 44% more to likely fully recover from a disability. These are correlations. They're not causal relationships, but nonetheless, I think they're important and telling. Um, but those who view aging positively have 55% lower risk of hospitalization and fewer plaques and tangles at autopsy indicative of dementia. Um, and it goes on there and cites some other statistics about the cost of this. But um, but mindset is so important. Um, you know, it's it's <laughs> I always joke and say every day you, you wake up, you get to choose how you want to be. And I, I think that's true. I personally believe I'm a positive person and try to you know take things that way. And again, whether it's a retirement transition or some sort of life transition, you know, you can you can find ways to make lemonade out of lemons and just try to keep moving on positively and, and getting the most out of life and making a difference every day. Or you can choose the other way. But the other way, you know, at least as what the book just intimated, is probably going to result in less satisfaction, less happiness, you know, more health issues and and who knows what else <laughs> probably less friends i certainly wouldn't want to be around that that grumpy mean person but mindset i don't know if it, uh, how changeable it, it may be you know as you if you're kind of 60 years old and getting ready to retire but um i would imagine it's probably pretty well formed at that point but but nonetheless i think mindset is just incredibly important and so if the idea of old is at least a little bit older than you are i like to say you're probably in a pretty good spot so just kind of keep on keeping on with that positive mindset sort of like the uh look at your significant other and it's sort of are you laughing at your uh you know chuckling as your bodies are failing you and as you age and you have that positive mindset or you you always complaining about the latest thing to pop up and and kind of you know ding you or nick you a little bit along the way those are always it's easier said than done to have that positive attitude sometimes kevin but something we could certainly all strive to do better i would imagine Oh, no, for sure. I'm, I'm kind of I'm grinning, not that you can see me, Walt, but I'm thinking of our can, community. I can hear it. I can hear it. <laughs> our community Facebook page and just a lot of the, um, I, I was I was told of the acronym BMW for 
imagine what the B stands for, moaning and whining. Okay, yes, yes. <laughs> and there's a lot of that that goes on on these social media platforms uh, in, in our communities. But I, I don't... I. I hear about a third party. I don't really engage, but, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, people, one of our core tenets at, at our company is, you know, I just want positive people. I mean, it, one, if you don't, it's going to make the work environment not great. I had one of those people with me for some time before and I swore I was never going to do it again, but you know, it's just, it, it's a mindset. You know, I don't know if you're listening to this, I would have to imagine you probably want to learn and improve and become more educated. So I would think that that's going to positively correlate with having a more optimistic attitude. Um, so, you know, maybe I'm talking to a certain selected audience already, but again, I, I think it's just so important um, every day, just being grateful for the things that we have, um, for the people that are in our lives and, you know, and not focusing on the th any sort of shortcomings, but having that positive reflection on a daily basis. Uh, it makes all those things that are important to us, whether we're retired or still working, you know, that much better. It's one thing to uh, say all of these things, though, an entirely different thing to actually put it into practice and get a plan in place that helps you unlock all of these things, because you can have the uh, the great ideas for how you're going to spend that time in retirement. But if you don't have that plan in place, a little bit harder than make everything executed in the end. So if you need some help with that, please do go to truewealthdesign.com and you can find the Are We Right For You buttons. Click on that to schedule a 15-minute call with an experienced advisor on the True Wealth team. Again, that's truewealthdesign.com or you can call 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855-TWD-PLAN and we'll put all that contact info in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find. Kevin, any final thoughts as we wrap up? Yeah, just um, uh, give me like 30, 60 seconds here. So a few uh, tips or uh, takeaways or, you know, action plan, if you will. So, you know, just as we believe you should have a financial plan, I think it's really good to have a non-financial retirement plan. Some questions, and, and this may be something you want to kind of hit the rewind button and just literally jot down. How are you going to spend your time? What are some of the uh, leisure activities that you want to do, both the special occasion as well as the every day. What will you do to maintain and improve your health? What will you do to maintain and improve your relationships and social engagement? Where will you find purpose? I would just write those out and literally spend some time kind of, whether you write it out or type it out uh, and just thinking about it. Um, go into any sort of transition, expect some failure. But I think if you have that positive mindset that we just spoke about, you can look back and figure out, okay, hey, what worked, what didn't, how am I going to move forward and, and make the next day, week, month, year even better. But start there. Financial and non-financial plans are definitely important and appropriate mindset is probably just as so. Very cool. I appreciate that, Kevin. And we'll, we'll list those questions out for you in case you didn't have the chance to write them down. We'll list those out in the show notes as well for you. So it's easy for you to kind of look at those and ponder a little bit further. Again, just check the show notes or the uh, description section of whatever podcast app you're using or on the website, truewealthdesign.com. For Kevin Krosky, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll have another episode coming up for you in a few weeks. We'll continue this series about what retirees want we'll be talking a little bit more about what retirees want in a home on the next episode. So be sure to come back and join us for that. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on Retire Smarter.
Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.